Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers have secured the number one seed in the upcoming NFC playoffs for the second straight season. But can the Packers, unlike last season, use the home field advantage as a springboard to the Super Bowl? I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for another Packers podcast. Rob, of course, is the Packers beat reporter for Forbes.com and Conley Media and the author of Eight Packer Books. And uh, as usual, welcome aboard, Rob, my friend. How are you doing? I am wonderful. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing well. It, it hasn't. It's it's only snowed once in Racine, Wisconsin, this uh, <laughs> past month. So I, I I am more than happy. So yeah, you're you're ahead of the rest of us then, who had to shovel three times last week. So exactly. So uh, I assume you uh, had the opportunity to watch uh, Ben Roethlisberger play his last game in in Pittsburgh last night, and that that, that was certainly quite a spectacle. Boy, you know, Gary, we've got a lot of Packers stuff to get into and, and we will, but I, yeah, that, that was something else. I, I, I want to, I want to ramble here for a second about that because I, I thought that was one of the cooler nights, Gary, in sports I, I've seen in a while, you know, guys like you and I, Gary, who have done this for so many years, you know, we, we become jaded when you see so many turds out there like Antonio Brown and Henry Ruggs and Deshaun Watson. You know, we, we, we watch all that offseason drama with Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson and and the craziness of an Urban Meyer through the season uh, this year. But, but Gary, I'm telling you, what happened in Pittsburgh last night to me is kind of – it brought me back, Gary. It, it's why we watch sports. A city that just loved its quarterback, the quarterback that absolutely loved this city, and, you know, and Ben plays – what's in all likelihood is final home game as a Steeler. And, and, and Gary, I thought it was so awesome at the end where nobody wanted to say goodbye. You know, yes. after the Steelers had won the game, Roethlisberger took the lap around Heinz field. He high-fived the fans. He, you know, he shook plenty of hands. And, and if you saw, he went back to the bench and he sat by himself for a minute or two, his beautiful wife and his kids joined him on the field. And, and the fans didn't leave, Gary. You know, they, they showed him the love that 18 years in that city as a Steeler, as their quarterback, as their guy, you know, as, as someone with two Super Bowls and, and every passing record in team history, they showed him the love that he deserved. And, Gary, it reminded me a lot of, of Green Bay's love affair with Brett Favre, right, yes. Where, yes. Where, a, where a quarterback becomes like a family member. I mean, we knew everything for 16 years about Brett and Deanna and Big Irv and Bonita and Jeff and Scott and Brandy and Mima and everybody in the family, right, Gary? I mean, we knew everything about the Favs. Yeah, you know, Rob, you know more about the Favs than I, I know about my own family. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I know I know more about the Favs than my own family, Gary. And, and, and that was the beauty of him. He, he was an open book. And he was there all those years, you know, where Rogers has been so much more closed and, and insulated and, and, and doesn't always want to open up to the public and 
hasn't had quite that same relationship that a Favre or a Roethlisberger has. You know, those, those Gary, are, are guys, they're not just all-time tough guys and epic, epic competitors. But to me, you know, the, the fact they allowed everybody into their lives for all those years and they became like family inside a city is, is what made them so unique. And in, in watching him leave Heinz Field and, and all that love from the fans, Gary, to me, that was just a remarkable thing. And at the end of the day, it kind of reminded me again for a minute why we watch sports. It was just, it was a remarkable moment to me in, instead of just all the Antonio Brown nonsense and drama, all the Urban Meyer crap that, you know, you, you put up with for, you know, weeks on end. That was just a fantastic moment, Gary, in sports. And, and I, I got goosebumps watching it. Well said. It, it was a truly a special moment. And, you know, Rob, I, I, I am so happy that Big Ben is calling it a career. Um, it kind of reminded me, you know, not that he's on the same stage or same level as Muhammad Ali, but when you saw Muhammad Ali's career coming to an end and he's getting beat up left and right, and I look at Roethlisberger, and he's a shell of himself from three, four years ago. And I think last night, what did he throw for 123 yards or whatever? So, I mean, this guy has taken a physical and mental beating. And if anybody deserves a retirement, it's him. Um, but, yeah, you are absolutely correct. It, it was a wonderful moment in sports. And, um, you know, I hope people, you know, see excerpts of it, you know, going forward. Gary, you just don't see that level of loyalty in sports either anymore. Good uh, you point. Know, guys Good point. Almost two decades in, you know, in, in one uniform. It just – it just doesn't happen. I mean, think of the great quarterbacks that, that we've seen switch teams here in the last, you know, 15 years or whatever, from, from Favre to Brady to Manning. I mean, they, they, these guys don't stay in, in, in one place for the most part anymore. Bear, ben is such a rare bird. That, that, that's such a remarkable football town as well. You can flip a coin to me between Green Bay and Pittsburgh. And I mean, there's no wrong answer. Those are the two best fan bases in sports. Uh, when it, when it comes to the NFL, uh, they, they will follow their team anywhere and everywhere. Green Bay does the exact same thing. I mean, it, it, to me, Gary, it was awesome when those two teams met in the 45th Super Bowl. You, you just don't get better fan bases than those two. And um, no, I just, I thought it was a great ending. I mean, you're, you're right. He, he, he really has nothing left. Um, they're, they're winning right now in spite of the quarterback and have a slight chance to still make the playoffs in, in spite of the quarterback, but, but he got the send off and the farewell that, that he deserved. And, and again, it was just, it was, it was a really awesome moment. Absolutely. Before we uh, get ahead of ourselves and start talking about the Packers and, and the upcoming playoffs, uh, let's spend a few minutes talking about the Packers regular season finale against the uh, Detroit Pussycats. Uh, Sunday in Motown. It, it shouldn't be much of a game. The Lions can ill afford a victory. They are two and thirteen. They're tied with the Jaguars for the worst record in the NFL. And uh, the Packers, meanwhile, have already been assured of the top spot in the NFC playoffs. And there isn't really a lot to play for for them. So um, some observers, Rob, contend that the Packers should just you know basically give everybody in their uh, starting unit the uh, game off. But Matt LaFleur uh, came out the other day and squelched that talk, and Aaron Rodgers even said he plans on playing. So 
I, I would imagine they, they will go with their, their starting crew, at least for the first half. And uh, who knows what happens after that? Yeah, Gary, I, I got a kick out of the fact that Aaron Rodgers said he's going to play. He, he didn't quite, he didn't even consult his coach. He just said he's playing. So. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's face it. We, we know who runs that organization, just like yeah, we know who runs the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers, right? <laughs> good, good point. No, I, I, and I think it is the right move, Gary, to, to have these guys play at least a half. I've, I flash back to 2011, and I know it gives Packer fans nightmares, but that was the year Green Bay started 13-0. and They went 15-1 and in the regular season. They, they had a stretch in there, Gary, where they didn't lose a football game for 53 consecutive weeks, dating back to the 2010 season. They went into the playoffs as an overwhelming, gigantic, enormous favorite to win the Super Bowl after that 15 and one regular season. And what did they do in their first playoff game? They lost to the Giants 37 20. And if you think back to that season, Gary, they, they had it wrapped up again, the home field advantage of the conference with a week to play in the regular season. And ironically, Gary, they played, they played Detroit then in week 17 and, and they sat Rogers and a bunch of his pals and they got, um, and, and they beat Detroit that day. But by the time Rodgers got back to the field, Gary, for the playoff game, there was a 21-day window there where he hadn't taken a snap. And, you know, some of those other guys, too, as top receivers, um, some of the better players on defense, they had gone three weeks without playing, playing any live football. And Eli Manning and the Giants came into Lambeau Field that day, Gary, and, the, and, and they smoked them. I mean – Rodgers wasn't good that day. He had a passer rating of 78.5, which was his lowest, Gary, amazingly, in 15 months. He was in a stretch there where I think he had 13 or 14 games in a row where he was over 100 in passer rating, uh, the, the, the longest stretch, I think, of his career. And, and the Giants got after him all day. I think they sacked him four times. They couldn't block. You know, Strahan and some of those guys, the Giants were bringing Tuck and JPP up front. Green Bay couldn't stop uh, the Giants either. Eli threw three touchdowns that day, Gary, 330 yards passing. You remember he had the kind of like the Scotty Miller play last year, uh, right before half with Tampa Bay. Eli Manning throws a 40-yard touchdown pass right before half that day to Hakeem Nix on the final play of the half on a Hail Mary play. And you just kind of had a hunch it wasn't going to be Green Bay's day. I think that put them down at halftime, Gary, like 20 to 10. They never made much of a run in the second half. And, and the Giants stunned everybody and, and smoked Green Bay at Lambeau Field after the Packers had that three-week rest. So, Gary, I, I think it's the right move here. It, three weeks is just too long in, in this league to, to stay sharp, to stay in sync with, with your top pass catchers. A lot of rust can accumulate in that time. They'll have plenty of time after this game, Gary. They'll have two weeks to get healthy um, and, and rest their guys, and they should come back, you know, fully ready to go once uh, the divisional round hits and, and whatever team they face that comes to, to Lambeau Field in the second week of the playoffs. I, I'm a big believer, Gary, that three weeks is too long. Lafleur obviously feels the same way. Rod, maybe Rodgers told him to feel that way. Who knows? But uh, they, all, they all seem in, in lockstep, Gary, that, that it's a good thing. And, and I'm with you. I think they're going to play about a half. Who knows who wins the game? It, 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 it's really irrelevant other than the fact Detroit could, could hurt itself in you know, the draft uh, 
the draft positioning and, and they could fight. I think they're in the two hole right now. Right. They could steal a spot or two if, if they win the game. But uh, from Green Bay's perspective, Gary, it doesn't matter if they if they win or lose. They're locked into the one seed. They'll get their guys, you know, 30, 40 snaps on each side of the ball, and then they'll get them out of the game, hopefully healthy. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally tend to agree with you. Um, I, I would play Rodgers and uh, maybe just play him a quarter. But the one thing I would definitely do if I, I'm at LaFleur, I want Aaron Rodgers in the optimal psychological mode going into the playoffs. And I go to him, I said, Aaron, it's your call. Do you want to play or not? And uh, if he doesn't want to play, if he feels that's what he wants to do, that's what I would do. I, right now, it's all about keeping Aaron Rodgers healthy, not only mentally, but physically. And uh, so I, I think that would be a smart approach if LaFleur already hasn't done it. You know, Rob, the, the guys that I would rest, though, are Campbell and Barnes. They're two inside linebackers. Those guys have absolutely taken a beating this year. When, when you play a 3-4 defense, it's so incumbent on those inside linebackers to make play, and they have to deal with guys that are you know, 30, 40, 50 pounds heavier than them on every play. And I'll tell you what, you know, maybe, maybe they're in, in great condition, but, again, if I'm Lafleur, I seriously think about playing – are not playing Campbell and Barnes this game just to make sure they're ready for the playoffs. Yeah, that's an interesting one, Gary. I mean, obviously any of the guys that are not in optimal health right now, and nobody's fully healthy when you get to week 18 of an NFL season, but some exactly. of those guys are free, exactly. right? That, that, you know, obviously they're going to play if it's a playoff game, but they're, they're a coin toss if it's a, if it's a week six game against the 49ers or something like that, those to me are the guys then that you obviously will, will sit out in, in this game. The, the guys I'm going to be really interested in Gary to, to see are, are the Bakhtiaris, the Cobbs, the Jair Alexander, potentially the Zadarius Smith. I mean, in a perfect world, Gary, they come back and play 15, 20, 30 snaps and knock, knock the rust off before you get to the postseason rather than throwing them back on the field for the first time. Um, what are we looking at? I think when, when we get to that second round of the playoffs, which is what green Bay would be in that, that weekend of like, Oh, I don't know. Let, let's call it the 22nd, 23rd of January. I mean, Gary, if that's the first time Bakhtiari comes back, for example, oh, you're looking at 13 months since yeah. he's taken. Yeah. Snap. If that's the first time Jair Alexander comes back, we're, you know, we're looking at the better part of five months since he's played any football. Five months, you know, for four, I guess, for Jair, five for Zadarius. Uh, Randall Cobb hasn't played in six weeks. Gary, if, if they're good enough to go this Sunday, a guy like Bakhtiari, for example, and can go out there and play two or three series, treat it like a third exhibition game, a fourth exhibition game yes. when teams used to, you know, value the preseason more to get guys ready for the regular season and take that approach. I think that would make a ton of sense. But again, it's all going to be up to the medical side of things on on those guys. Can they get cleared? Bakhtiari is going to practice this week, Gary, you know, more on the team stuff rather than just individual. We're going to know a lot more by Friday where, where he stands, not just for this game, Gary, but really the postseason. I think Alexander is going to be okay to go once we get to the postseason. Gary, we'll see if he's good enough to go come come Sunday. I'm still not very optimistic on Zadarius. 
Uh, when Matt LaFleur talked on Monday, he didn't even mention him. He talked at length about Bakhtiari and Jair. He didn't even mention Zadarius Smith. So we'll see what's going on there. Randall Cobb sounds like he's close and, and maybe he gives it a go on, on Sunday. And again, kicks some of that rust off Gary leading into, uh, you know, leading into that two week break he'll get before the playoffs. But, uh, Overall, it, it does look to me like a team that's trending in the right way health-wise. Um, and they're going to go – they're probably going to go to the playoffs as healthy as they've been in a, in a long, long time, Gary. And you look around the league and, and some of the teams that could wind up coming into, into Lambeau Field. I mean, Tampa Bay all of a sudden is a mess mm-hmm. at wide receiver, right, with, with Brown and um, having lost Godwin a couple weeks ago to the knee. Michael Gallup just blew out his knee. and in Dallas, um, you know, you've, you've got issues all over the place. The, the 49ers don't know who their quarterback is, and, and they look like a playoff team and certainly are a possible opponent for Green Bay in, in, the, in the second round of the playoffs if, if they not only got in, Gary, but pulled a first-round upset. So, I mean, there's, there, there's a lot of teams that, that are limping into the playoffs in far worse shape than Green Bay, and Green Bay, Gary, is trending in the other direction where, where some of this stuff is going to – is going to line up, I think, pretty nicely for these Packers. Yeah. Is Myers expected to be back? I think the chance is, is, is slightly better than 50-50, Gary. Um, they, they continue to talk optimistically about him. Um, again, and, and, and I hate to beat a dead horse and, and whine on this podcast about the state of affairs, it, but you know this being a veteran reporter, Gary, as well as anybody, when they open up that locker room and you can go from guy to guy to guy to guy to guy and talk and have conversations and find out exactly what is going on with, with whatever the topic of the day is. And let's say it's Josh Meyer's health in, in this situation or, or Jair's. And, and, and you have a full locker room available to you of people that you can go talk to you're going to leave that locker room, Gary, knowing exactly what's going on as, as, as a good reporter, which you were. And, and I like to think I am Um, when you put these people on zoom calls, Gary, which is in the world, which is the world we live in today. It is a lot harder to get any information out of anybody and, and whatever. I mean, the, the teams on some level like this, Gary, they're, they're able to keep this stuff close to the vest in the, in the past, there were always leaks from certain corners and, and that was part of our job. Find out exactly what's going on with Bakhtiari. What's going on with Zadarius. What's going on with Jair in, in 2018, I think we would have known all these answers, for example, far more than we do today, Gary. I mean, it, it's a little bit trickier, but specifically again, back to Myers. I, I, it does sound like there's a reasonable chance. The good news is though, Gary, the, these, these other guys on the interior have more than held their own. I mean, Runyon. They have. Runyon they down. Really Runyon's have. in the middle of a pretty darn good year. Lucas Patrick has more than held the held held the fort together there at at center, and and Newman's a player who's really on the rise, and 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 I think he's he's got one hell of a bright future at, at right guard for them. Man, Gary, that, that you know when when I think ahead sometimes to like next season when all these guys potentially could be back, yeah. and you go to training camp with with nine healthy linemen that have all these starts now under their belts, boy, oh boy, are they going to be in remarkable shape? I mean, we're, we're way ahead of ourselves with this Gary, but, um, <laughs> you know, Rob, uh, it, it's apparent the Packers have the home field advantage uh, going to the playoffs and, 
much is made of the advantage of uh, being able to play all your playoff games at home. And uh, I, I don't know what the statistics bear out, but you, you had an interesting story and, and you pointed pointed it out to uh, me again yesterday about how, you know, the Packers have had their share of struggles uh, at Lambeau Field since uh, 2002, I believe. So what's your take on that? Uh, it, it, obviously, it's a good thing, right, to have the home field advantage? Oh, I mean, without question, it's a, it's a great thing for them to be home. Uh, my point is, though, it, it guarantees absolutely nothing, which is what the head coach continues to say and stress. I'm, and, and here's just a couple of the stats, Gary. You know, the first 80 years of, of this franchise – they were 13 and 0 in home games from from 1921 to 2001. Wow! In the 20 years since, yeah, they were they they were absolutely unbeat unbeatable at home in in the postseason, Gary. In 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 the 20 years since, from 2002 till today, they are seven and six, Gary, in home games. They've wow. lost six times. Wow! Uh, Mike, Michael Vick and the Falcons came in to Lambeau in 2002 and hammered them 27-7. And it kind of ended some of the mystique that the Packers just couldn't be beat at Lambeau Field when, when the postseason arrived. And, and they've lost five more times along the way, Gary, two in NFC Championship games and another time as the number one seed in the playoffs. They, they lost the 07 NFC title game to the Giants. As we all remember, the overtime loss, um, and Brett Favre's final game uh, in, a, in a Packer uniform. They lost the 31-26 game last year to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in, in the NFC title game. And it, as we talked about earlier, Gary, the 2011 uh, season, when they gave their guys too much rest, um, they came out, laid an absolute egg uh, in their first playoff game that year and lost to the Giants 37-20 in the divisional round. So, um Obviously, you, you'd rather be home, Gary. I, I looked it up the other day. The average temperature in Green Bay, or the average low temperature in Green Bay in the month of January is nine degrees. <laughs> and, and we know now, Gary, these, these games are played late afternoon or night. Sure. Right? When, right. When you are absolutely at your peak cold temperatures. So the games are going to be 10, 12, 14, 7 whatever. I mean, it's, it's going to be extremely cold. That game, I think the other night at kickoff when you factored in the wind, Gary was like minus 11 or, or something like that. It was, I mean, it was brutal over there uh, for the Vikings game on Sunday night. Last year, Gary, they only had about 8,500 people in the stadium uh, on, on for the NFC title game against Tampa Bay. They'll, they'll have 10 times that almost this year. They'll have 80,000 Going sure. crazy, yelling and screaming—that's obviously a positive. But again, it guarantees you nothing. And if we've learned anything in the last twenty years, just being home, just being inside Lambeau Field for the postseason, uh, mean certainly doesn't mean you're you're moving on to the next round if you're the Green Bay Packers. Gary, we'll get into this here in a little bit. I I, I think to me they're starting to look like the clear cut favorite. But there are still three or four teams that are scary out there, and and nothing surprises you when the postseason gets here. There, there's a handful of teams that could come into Lambeau Field and sting these guys. Yeah, yeah, you know what though? I, for whatever reason, I mean, it, this isn't uh, based on statistics or anything. I have a different feel about this team. 
I, I just think they're built differently. I think they're a more mature team. I, I think they're more driven if that, if that's possible. I, I really believe like this team is on a mission. I, I really believe any team that comes into green Bay this season is going to have a tougher time than, than re, you know, in recent years, but you know, that's just my feelings. So Gary, Gary, let me interrupt you for one quick second. Yeah. Don't you think, don't you think if we went and found our tape, from a year ago when we were doing this podcast, we were saying the exact same things about the Packers, how yeah, tough yeah. it was going to be to come into Lambeau and, and beat these guys, how how they learned from the 2019 NFC title game, uh, championship game lost to San Francisco, how it, how it felt like a more mature team. I mean, all your points are extremely valid. I just – I, I, I have this, I have this, <laughs> I have this goofy feeling though. We we were saying the identical thing a year ago, and then Tom Brady and his and his guys came and and kicked the crap out of them, uh, and ended up winning the NFC title game, thirty-one twenty-six. But but um, you know, Rob, I, that didn't surprise me because I, I I thought Tampa Bay. I'm not saying they were the better team, but I, I really felt at that point that Tampa Bay was the team to beat. This year, I don't believe that. I, I think Green Bay is clearly the team to beat. Could they get beat? Of course they could. But to me, it's like it, going into the playoffs, they are the best team in the NFC. Yeah, and, and they were last year as well, Gary. Remember? Yeah, I mean, from a statistical standpoint. Sure. You remember I mean, but, last but I'm year. saying I, I just believe, I always felt that Tampa Bay would beat them. Um, you know, we can go back and check the records, but I always felt with Brady uh, coming up there that, the home field advantage wasn't really that big of an advantage simply because it's Brady. And that may prove to be the case again this year, but I, I just have a different feel about this team. And you might end up being totally right. I, I just wonder what we're going to be saying in, in three weeks, <laughs> if we're getting ready for the NFC championship game and it's Brady coming back to green Bay again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, Absolutely. I mean, Gary, Tampa's in a better spot than they were a year ago. As long as they win on on Sunday, they'll be no worse than the three seed. Last year, they were the five seed. They didn't even win the division, if you remember. New Orleans won that division a a year ago, and and Tampa had to go on the road for a a wild card game right away and then eventually go beat the Saints before coming to Lambeau Field. So I'll tell you what. I mean, if, if, if we're ranking the teams that scare you, to me, you always start with Tampa Bay just because who the quarterback is. I, I get it. He's without two stud wide receivers and a and 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 a running back now who was the fourth pick in the draft five years ago. I mean, he's without some remarkable weapons right now on offense. And and the road's gonna be a lot harder for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers than it was last year. But but man, Gary, you and I have you and I watched him take some teams from New England to the Super Bowl that weren't overly talented either. And and he found a way to get those groups through and, and win Super Bowl titles. So um, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit here with, with some of the teams that do scare you, but to me, it still starts and it ends with Tom Brady. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm on the same page with you. I, I totally concur. Um, they would be the, the number one team if I was LaFleur and the Packers that I'd be worried about because of the experience factor. I mean, it's a veteran laden team, but again, I don't think this team is nearly as dangerous as a year ago. And, uh, as great as Tom Brady is, he doesn't have Antonio Brown out there. He doesn't have Chris Godwin. Those are two big-time talented receivers, and they take they take a major hit in that department. And uh, 
the the flip side of it is the Packers secondary, I think is much better than it was a year ago. I mean, you know, you don't have to use Kevin King as your starter. And if Alexander comes back, I would take the Packers secondary with anybody in the NFL. I mean, I think they're six deep. And usually when you get into the playoffs, and we saw this last year, teams expose your weaknesses in the secondary. You know, Kevin King was the weakness, obviously, last year. But now you got Sullivan and uh, a couple other guys that won't necessarily have to play a lot in this playoffs if if Alexander comes back. To me, he is huge. He, He has to play for them to uh to uh get to the super bowl but you know the one team that that would concern me is the dallas cowboys and it's almost the opposite of the the buccaneers this this is a team that's on the uptick they don't have a lot of playoff experience but man are they loaded offensively i mean when you think of you know prescott and elliott the receiving core is exceptional with uh, lamb cooper gallup schultz that team is dangerous. Their, their problem is, is immaturity and experience. And then, of course, their defense is, is, has become very solid. But can you imagine Mike McCarthy coming to Green Bay <laughs> and playing his former team? I mean, he would be so jacked. I mean, that, that would be his Super Bowl right then and there. You, still, you, you think he'll still be coaching the team uh, by, <laughs> by, by the second round of the playoffs, Gary? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can tell you're a, you're a big fan, aren't you? <laughs> you know, my, my, my tongue is firmly planted in my cheek as I as yeah, I say he's exactly. obviously going to the year. But but Gary, I'm telling you, the problems he continues to have week in and week out with with time and clock management and yeah. some of the decisions that he's making, it, Gary, if if they don't make a deep playoff run, I'm telling you, I, he's got to be in some big time trouble. Um, he's getting crucified down there. In, in Dallas right now by the fan base, uh, by, by the media. He, he is just getting torched on, on a weekly basis. And it, it happened again the other day when, when he didn't have any timeouts left to challenge a key play at the end of the game. And, that and that was unbelievable. And, and I, I, lost to the Cardinals. Gary, isn't it unbelievable how these coaches burn through timeouts? They'll, they'll use one three minutes into the second half, midway through the third quarter and early in the fourth, and, and, and now they have nothing left at, at, at these unbelievably key moments of the game. I mean – I mean, why, 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 why challenge something three minutes and a half to pick up six yards or something like that when there's a 50-50 chance you're going to lose that challenge? No, nobody has any foresight to see down the road. Hey, I might need this with, with 90 seconds left in the football game. These six yards here that I'm gaining you know, on, on the first drive of the third quarter are absolutely irrelevant in, in the grand scheme of these things. And these coaches do it every single week. You and I were texting about some – coaching catastrophes again over the weekend. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's it's just crazy how inept they are at, at, at that portion of the game. Um, I mean, believe me, when it, when it comes to drawing up plays, scheming, you know, teaching these guys fundamentals and, 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 and reach blocks and, and things like that, 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 those are things, you know, guys like you and I could never do, but simple things, Gary, like clock management and, and, and when to challenge a play and stuff like that is, is, is just basically common sense and, and knowing how to do decent math. And, and it's amazing, Gary, you know, three quarters of the guys can't do it. No, no. And, and I've, I've really come to appreciate how good a coach uh, LaFleur is. I mean, you, you can nitpick and say you shouldn't have done this or done that, and, but I'll tell you what, 
when I watched Harbaugh against the Packers and when I watched Harbaugh again uh, this past Sunday, some of the calls or just or his decisions were mind-boggling. And again, he's won a Super Bowl, so he's not going to come under criticism, but you're, you're absolutely right. When you, you see McCarthy doing these things too, you just wonder how good coaches are these guys and uh, leave it, you know, leave it at that. You know, but, but back to Dallas real quick, Gary, that they, they're dangerous. I just, I, I'm telling you, I, I think the coaching differential in that game is, is worth four to seven points. I, I, I really do. LaFleur over McCarthy in, in that, in that portion of the game. And, I don't know. It just still seems to me, Gary, that something's missing with, with Dallas. Um, the I, obvious, I agree. Totally. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you they, more. They, they, they took a, they, they took a hit when they found out on Monday that, that Michael Gallup's done for the year now. So that, that cuts into that, that wide receiver group and, 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 and takes away one of your weapons. It's he's still definitely out, huh? Yeah. He, he tore an ACL. I yeah. think he's done for the year. Okay. Uh, or you know, for for ten months or whatever, it'll turn out to be on on him. But I mean, they they still have a really good personnel on on the offensive side of the ball, Gary. But I mean, I, I don't know that the, the, there's no consistency there. They haven't turned Dak Prescott loose for some reason. He's kind of been you know, a Dak and Dunk is the nickname they've got for him down there because he, he's taken so much short and underneath stuff here the last two months of the season. The defense has certainly improved, but you know, let, let let's see it happen in in the postseason. I, 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 there's no question. I still go back to Tampa. Now, Tampa, let's go there for a second, Gary. I I get it. They're down Antonio Brown now. They're down Godwin. Uh, they're down Leonard Fournette. You know what they still have though, Gary? They still have three unbelievably good tight ends led by Gronk. They've got they've got Gronk. They've got Cameron Brait, and and they've got OJ Howard. And and they're they're gonna have to kind of reshape that thing on the fly. Um, that was a vertical passing game that Brady wanted to to go with, and and they certainly succeeded the second half of last year to win a Super Bowl and and, and a good portion of this year. But they're gonna have to play a lot different now um, with with really Evans being the, the only bona fide Pro Bowl receiver left. There's still some good pass catchers there, Gary. You know the Johnson kid out of Minnesota who's in the second year is gonna turn out to be a nice receiver in this league. Scotty Miller, I think they still think they'll get back at, at some point in time. But those three tight ends, Gary, when, when we've talked about the Packers for the last several years, what's one of the first things we always identify as a huge flaw? They can't cover tight ends, right? Yeah. Tampa's, yeah. Got, Tampa's got three of them. And, and now I think Campbell can take one of them away. And Barnes is a pretty good linebacker, too, like you pointed out earlier, Gary. But, but Tampa still has a lot of pieces and a lot of weapons. You know, it, it's going to be up to that offensive coordinator, and his name's escaping me. It's the old quarterback from Jacksonville um, uh, the, the, who limped yeah, off the field. I, I got that. brain lock here, too. I know, I know who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, and, and it, it, it'll come to me here momentarily. It's that kid, they, when, when he was back I, I, in, in college, they had to carry him off the field um, or up and down the field as he was leading a late touchdown drive. Um, Byron Leftwich, that's his name, yes, Gary. Yes, um, from, yeah. But uh, – you know, he's the OC there at, at Tampa, um, really bright guy, a sharp guy. And, and you, you saw him kind of adjust that offense on the fly last year when Brady wanted to go far more vertical uh, and, and take advantage of, of guys like Brown and Godwin and, and Miller. And, and now he's going to have to adjust the other way, Gary. Um, and, and they're probably going to have to go more short and intermediate. But you saw Brady get it done 
the other day against the Jets, man. If, if he's got the ball at the end of the game, look out. Um, and on the defensive side of the ball, I know they've been beat up this year, Gary, but they've still got a lot of pieces and a lot of personnel there. Um, I'll tell you what, if, if, if I'm listing teams right now that are the greatest threats to Green Bay, I'm going in this order, Gary. I'm going one Tampa. I'm going two of the Rams. I'm going three Arizona just because that quarterback is so dynamic and he could put up 400 total yards between his arm and his legs. And you're going to be surprised by this, but I'm going to actually put four Philadelphia. Um, I am surprised. <laughs> well, I think Gary is really a team on the rise and, and people have paid zero attention to this year. Uh, but they have a few key pieces and elements that when you line them up, their strengths are Green Bay's weaknesses. Um, they run the ball remarkably well. And I know the Packers took away Delvin Cook the other night, Gary. I'm not buying it still. That was against that was against a Minnesota team playing a quarterback, Gary, in his seventh season who had never thrown a touchdown pass, for God's sakes, in, in the NFL. So it was easy to load up against the run and take away Dalvin Cook. Philly is number one in the league, Gary, in rushing offense. They've got an incredibly mobile quarterback in, in Hertz who can get outside the pocket. They've got some young talent at wide receiver that, that's starting to emerge, and they've got an opportunistic defense that takes the ball away. I Believe me, they'd be a 10-point underdog or more, and rightfully so, Gary. But I'm telling you what, again, I'm, just, I'm not buying Dallas. Um, I, I'm putting some of these other teams in the NFC, to me, uh, at least on paper, look, look far scarier uh, if, if they're coming to Lambeau Field, then maybe the Cowboys would. But you're right, Gary. Dallas, a remarkable storyline if McCarthy comes back. I mean, think about it. He can drive down his own street, right? He can drive down uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. on, on, his, on his way to Lambeau. He, he, can, he, he can tell the bus driver to, t- to take a detour and go right down McCarthy Way if he wants. So, um, Well, you know, Rob, I'm waiting for some Packer fan in Green Bay to uh... – you know, put a sign over that that says Lafleur Way or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and maybe and maybe for a week that'll happen, Gary. <laughs> you know, interesting uh, take on the Eagles. I mean, they are without a doubt one of the hottest teams going into the playoffs right now. But I, I disagree. I, I think they're more of a barrage. That, that's my personal opinion. And the reason I say that is, yeah, they've been winning, but they, they beat the Giants, a bad team. They beat the Jets, a bad team. And they beat Washington twice in, in their last four wins. And yeah, they're, they're a good team, but I, I don't know how, I would, I would be, put it this way, I would be shocked if they won even one game in the playoffs. But who knows? No, hey, and I'm with you. I think they're seven and two in their last nine, Gary, and you're right. They, they beat up on a lot of cupcakes and a lot of patsies that, that aren't going to make the playoffs. Um, but again, they run the ball well and they yep. stop. Yeah. You know, I think they're number six in total defense right now in the league. They're a top 10 rush defense and they're number one in running the ball. And, and if you can win the lines of scrimmage Gary in the, in the postseason, as Tampa Bay showed last year against green Bay in the NFC title game, I mean, you remember Green Bay just couldn't block those guys. And that's when they had Jenkins and Turner and Corey Lindsley. And I know I'm shifting gears here again now back to Tampa, but I'm just looking at the NFC as a whole. 
that group of that, that collective group of pass rushers that Tampa has is, is still remarkably dangerous. Um, the Rams, you would think will have a chance to get after Rogers in that game with, with, with their, uh, heavy hitters on that, on that defensive line. Um, Green Bay is clearly the favorite, Gary. They're, you know, they're, they're playing better than anybody. The road goes through Lambeau Field. Um, and if I had to bet a mortgage payment, I'd, I'd bet it on Green Bay right now. But will you tell me, Gary, if, if I gave you Green Bay or I gave you the field, what are you taking? Rob, I'm taking Green Bay. You are, huh? Okay. I am. I, yeah. I, I, I just think, like, they have overcome so much adversity Number one, number two. I mean, that combination of Rogers and Devontae Adams is just ludicrous. Um, I mean, it, it's it's going to be there almost every play for those guys now. And uh, if they can get Aaron Jones healthy, I mean, we could talk about this ad nauseum. But uh, no, I, I like where the Packers are, and I, I like uh, their approach. You know, heading to, into the playoffs. And the other thing too, Rob, I, are, are you into karma at all? Big time. <laughs> Big time. Huge. You know, it's almost like the stars are aligned, though. I mean, you look at the Rams lost Robert Woods, big-time weapon. The Buccaneers lose Godwin and Antonio Brown, big-time weapons. The Cardinals lost Hopkins, big-time weapon. Uh, Cowboys, as you mentioned, lose Gallup, a big-time weapon. I, I, I don't know. To me, it's like, hey, the writing is there, or the stars are aligned uh, for the Packers to uh, get to the Super Bowl. There's a lot that reminds me of 2010, and I, I've said it through the season, Gary. You know, you, you, you remember, I think that year they put 15 or 16 guys on season-ending IR, and, and this team has had a, a similar amount of injuries. They, they didn't put quite as many on, on the season-ending uh, IR list, but, but they've been beat up really from day one, from Zadarius Smith only playing 18 snaps uh, in the opener and, and, not, and not coming back, from, from Bakhtiari never putting on a jersey. Um, and, and everybody waiting and waiting and waiting to see if, if he would come back from Jair Alexander going down, you know, five, six weeks into the season and not coming back. Robert Tunyon, I mean, they, they weren't losing just, you know, random players, as we've talked about many times on the show, Gary. You know, they, they, they were losing Pro Bowl, uh, Pro Bowl players, guys that are in the top two, three, four in the league at, at their particular positions. And like you said, now they are getting healthy. Um, and I think back to that 2010 season, Gary, and, and some of the guys they plucked off the street that really stepped in and did yeoman's work and, and helped lead them to a Super Bowl. Guys that came from, from deep down the roster and, 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 and helped them, um, you know, eventually uh, go and, and, and beat Pittsburgh in, in the 45th Super Bowl, right? The, the, the Howard Greens, the um, uh, Richard Rogers, deeper down deeper down, down the roster. I mean, just a lot of guys, Gary, that, that came out of nowhere and, and really helped that, that football team. Um, I think Brandon Jackson was, was the leading rusher that season after, after they lost Grant in, in the opener. And, and you think about that this year as well, Gary, finding Rasul Douglas on the street. And now he's a, he's a, he's a pro bowl alternate at, at, at corner you're plugging your offensive line with guys who are expected to be your number seven, number eight, number nine offensive linemen, guys like, you know, Dennis Kelly and, and Newman, who was supposed to wait another year and, and Runyon, who certainly didn't have a starting job guaranteed. And Lucas Patrick, who was, who was a guy they were trying to replace all off season. Um, 
And these guys have all stepped up, Gary. So there, there are a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities to me mm-hmm. uh, throwing it back to, to that 2010 campaign. But uh, again, they're two away. They've, they've, they've got to take care of business twice on, on their home field. Just to play devil's advocate with you, Gary, I'm going to take the field. Even after having said all that, um, <laughs> I, 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 I know I, you're I, on that. Uh, you're firmly on that Buccaneer bandwagon, but that's okay. I would too, in, in most cases. But well, I, I was Kansas City, Tampa Bay when the year started, and I, I until until somebody you know knocks one of those two down, I'm I'm going to stay with both of them, even though neither one looks like they'll be be the number one seed. I, I think weren't you Green Bay, Kansas City? No, uh, I was actually Green Bay and Vegas. And how about Vegas? They're going to make it. You know what? They they have thoroughly impressed me because, I mean, their season became a train wreck. They, they lose Gruden. They lose rugs. They lose some offensive linemen. And he thought in the middle of the season, you know, they're, they're going south. It's over. But uh, give them credit. They're, they're hanging around and, you know, on the cusp of uh, making the playoffs. You know, it, it, even if they get in, I doubt – they can go very far now, especially without rugs. I mean, you can say what you want about the kid, but he was a big time weapon. And, and you can't you can't afford to lose a great coach like Gruden. I mean, he he's won a Super Bowl. He's been there, done that. Uh, so yeah, but th- those were the two teams I went with: uh, Green Bay and and, and uh, Vegas. And I, I still like the Packers. In fact, I, I like them more than I did at the uh, beginning of the season. Well, and rightfully so. I mean, if, if we would have told you back in September, it'd be 13 and three sitting in the one hole, win two home playoff games. You would have jumped at that in a second, right? Oh, everything, absolutely. Everything that they wanted and hoped for every goal possible for them to attain up till this point in time has been attained. And now they've just got to take care of these last two um, home games that they would potentially have in the playoffs and, and, Man, Gary, it's, it's been a long 11 years for Packer Nation. Um, and, and again, I say it time and time again on this show and everywhere else I go, um, it's, a, it's a remarkably spoiled fan base right now. Oh, because, absolutely. I mean, I grew up watching nonsense in, in the late 70s and the 80s, and, and you watched it all those, those years as well. The, I mean, they, I mean a 9-7 and seven season right now is, is, is calling, you know, for, for coaches being fired and, you know, and, 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 30 yeah. years ago, Gary, it got, it, it, it got, it got Lindy and Fonte, you know, coach of the year votes. Um, the one year when in, in 89, when they went 10 and six, it, it's just remarkable. The level of success they've, they've achieved and attained Gary, but I, you know, for, for them with back-to-back hall of fame quarterbacks with back-to-back top 10, probably all time quarterbacks to only go to three Super Bowls and to only win two would be extremely disappointing. So that that is what this group, you know, and, and this organization organization still needs. They they need another Super Bowl appearance here before Rodgers leaves. It, I mean, there's no question. They're they're in perfect position right now to get it done. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, one one topic I, I want to touch on before we uh, call it a day is Devontae Adams. I mean, he's he's had just some incredible years the last three four seasons and. Um, Last week, Aaron Rodgers came out and said that Devontae Adams was the best player that he ever played with. And I wasn't shocked, but I was a little surprised. I, I thought he'd say Bakhtiari, okay? 
but uh, certainly nobody can argue that Adams is, if he's not the best wide receiver in football, you know, he's, he's right there. Um, He's third in receiving yards. He's second in receptions. He's fifth in touchdown receptions. Uh, the, the, the man deserves the raise. Rob, I think he's making what around 14, 15 million this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He'll double that next year, Gary. Yeah. And, and, and you just, you know, now, now the uh, speculation is that the Packers are going to throw the franchise tag on him. Do you think that's going to happen? Well, I do from this perspective, Gary. Now there's a lot of dominoes that have, have to uh, take place first, right? We're, we're going to find out, I think, within a week or two, three at the most, maybe, what what Aaron Charles Rodgers' future is if he has one in Green Bay. And 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 I haven't changed my mind on that whatsoever. I, I think he's playing his final, you know, three four games as a Green Bay Packer, whatever whatever he has left, and he'll be in a different jersey a year from now. If that's the case, Gary and and Devontae Adams makes it very clear he doesn't want to be part of a, a Jordan Love era. Um, a Derek Carr era, whatever it winds up being in Green Bay. Because I, I, I do think if they Rogers, it's going to go to a city where they get a quarterback coming back, like a right. Derek Carr from, right. from the Raiders, maybe like a Tua in Miami. Denver doesn't have a quarterback worth a lick. I don't, I don't know, you know. You wouldn't want one there necessarily. You know, but, but, but some of these teams where you could make a move, you might get a quarterback back. And then Devontae's going to have to make a decision. Do I want to stick around Green Bay? sign a four-year, whatever, $95 million contract or whatever it turns out to be and and play with Jordan Love or play with Derek Carr? Or do I want to try to find a way to get myself to wherever Aaron Rodgers is going? Um, but, but I do think, Gary, by tagging him, it gives the Packers the flexibility then to trade him. And they could get a first and a third for him, a first and a second, something like that. Plus all the draft picks they would get in an Aaron Rodgers trade and green Bay would be remarkably uh, well set up for the future. If, if it turns out to, to go in that direction, Gary. So um, if you don't take him and he just walks out the door, all you get a year from now is, is a compensatory third round pick. So yeah. I do think they'll take him. That doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination, he'll play under that particular contract in 2022 which would be the one-year deal on an average of, I think it's the top five wide receivers in football. When, and that puts him somewhere in the 22, 23 million range, if, if I'm not wrong, Gary. He would be looking for a longer-term deal. But again, all the, all, the, all the franchise take does for Green Bay, Gary, is it protects the asset, and then it gives you the ability to get maximum value back for that asset, which is what they'd be doing with Adams. Yeah. Uh, it, again, if I'm not mistaken, he, he's up around 15 million a year uh, per average. Hopkins is has the highest average of any receiver in the NFL, and that's 27 million. Julio Jones is at 22. Keenan Allen is at 20. Amari Cooper is at 20 million. Uh, you know, the, the, there's no question Adams deserves the raise. I mean, it's pretty apparent. Um, you know where he ranks in the average at this point in the league? You want to take a stab at that? Among receivers, that is. Yeah, let, let's guess about 17th. 
Yeah, very good. Outstanding. That's why you're Rob Reichel. You know that? Shut up. It wasn't really 17. <laughs> yeah, he's 19th in the league. So, 19th, okay. yeah. So, that, that, there's no reason to believe that he deserves a raise and a hefty one at that. So, um, you know, last, last night I was uh, doing some research on Adams, and, and I was thinking back, like, you know, as, as great as he is, I'm not, I would rank him only as the third best wide receiver in Packer history, at least, you know, since, you know, the eighties, I have Sterling Sharp ranked ahead of him. I have James Lofton ranked ahead of him, but uh, man, he, he, he's pretty darn good. I mean, one game he had 14 catches, right. Which ties the legendary Don Hudson. So, so pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, what, what this guy has accomplished. It, the numbers themselves are mind-boggling, Gary. You know, and 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 if he plays in Green Bay another three, four years, he, he's going to break all the franchise records that are that are held by the various guys, like 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 Driver with with the catch record and 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 just some of these across the board. But but what makes it even more remarkable to me, Gary, is the last you know three or four years, really really since Jordy Nelson fell off the planet, I think it was 2018 and and Cobb really slowed down. He's, he's been all they have Gary. Yes. That positional group, everybody in the world knows where the ball is going and it doesn't matter. I mean, he's MVS would be the four or the five on a lot of teams. I mean, he, he really would. He's, you know, I mean, Gary, where is MVS on the Rams, right? Where is he on the Cardinals? Where is he on the Cowboys? Right? Yeah, no he's, argument. No argument he's, at he's all. Their five. Where is Alan Lazard on some of these teams, right? He, he's playing 10 snaps a game, 15 snaps a game. He's, you know, he, he's playing, Gary, with, with a bunch of threes and fours and fives yes. uh, lining up next to him. And defenses are doing everything possible scheme-wise to take him away. Even you think of that Ravens game, Gary, he was doubled every snap and some, they even sent a third guy over to provide some help. You just don't see that in the NFL. It's not like the NBA where you're doubling Jordan, right. To get the ball out of his hands or something like that. And you, you hope it winds up with Cartwright. Um, it, it just, that stuff just doesn't happen. Um, you, you, you might shadow a safety over from time to time. You don't absolutely flat out double a wide out most of the time and even send a, a third body. I mean, all these teams, Gary, week in and week out are doing everything humanly possible to take him away. And it doesn't work. You know, what would be fascinating, Gary, is if the Packers and the, the Patriots played in a Super Bowl because no one in the history of this sport has been better than Bill Belichick of saying, all right, what is it you do well? Okay, we're yes. taking that away, right? Good point, and, yep. And yep. immediately that's off the table. So you're going to beat us. If you're going to beat us, it's going to be with somebody else, right? It, it's going to be with Lazard. It's going to be with A.J. Dillon. It, it's going to be with DeGuara, whatever it is, right? I mean, Belichick would be about the only guy, I would think, Gary, who can take Devontae Adams away. Nobody else has had a list, list of them trying to do it. Everybody has tried. They've tried it in multiple ways. Um, that to me would be a remarkable matchup if you saw that in the Super Bowl. The other thing I wonder too, Gary, as we get deeper here into the playoffs, if the Rams and the Packers meet up again, the Rams have been reluctant to take Jalen Ramsey and put him on Adams for an entire game. I mean, Jalen yeah. Ramsey is yeah. the number one corner in football. I would think it's time, right? It's It's got to be time if those two teams match up again 
for, for McVay, his defensive people, and for the Rams across the board to say, all right, Jalen, go earn your $30 million or whatever they're paying him to, to, to be the, the best cornerback in football. You've got Devontae. Find a way to keep him to five catches for 60 yards. And, and that, you know, and if he could do that, maybe the Rams are a threat to, to beat the Packers in the playoffs. You know, I, but uh, other than that, Gary, for the most part, nobody's had a lick of success trying to slow this guy down. He's, you know, just the other night against Minnesota, he set the team record again for most catches in a season. Guess what? He owned the record from a year ago. Yeah. He went from 115 yeah. to 117. Yeah. And now he's got another game to, to add on to that. I mean, just week in and week out, year in and year out, this guy, this guy kind of just continues to amaze. I would, I, I would probably put him ahead of Lofton. Um, although Lofton's a, a hall of famer, Gary, he's, he's, he, he's an all timer, I guess, in, in green Bay sharp. He just didn't quite have the longevity, did he? But, but he was putting up numbers in that era, very similar to Adams right now. And if you look back to Sterling, uh, Gary, kind of a similar story. He didn't have a whole lot of help either, did he? He had no, not at all. Uh, Robert Brooks broke on the scene in in kind of ninety four, ninety five, right in there. I mean, he he was playing with probably the best number, the be, the best complimentary piece he probably had was Ed West, right? I mean, yep. he was playing with Gary Kemp and and guys like that. Not 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 a lot of great talent uh, lining up next to Sterling Sharp. So no, I, I I'll tell you what, Gary. I mean, it, it'd be a great debate. It'd be a great argument. But, uh, you know, the, Devontae certainly is in the discussion of the best, you know, Packer, Packer receiver since Hudson. Yeah, you know, I mean, getting back to Sterling Sharp, it, I mean, he had, Rob, two, four touchdown games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's crazy. Four touchdowns twice. And uh, getting back to Hudson, I mean, uh, you, you have talked to enough old-timers who, you know, contend Hudson was the greatest player you know, in Packer history, but think of this. I mean, he and, and, and uh, Adams hold the record for most catches in a game with 14. Hudson did it in 1942. <laughs> I mean, think of that, 1942. And, he, and his, his record is still, you know, there. And then uh, the other thing about Adams is um, he has four of the top six most catches in, in Packer history in, in a game. So that speaks volumes about uh, Devontae Adams as well. Hey, one other thing. When, when I was going through the uh, Packer media guide last night, the, the, the stat that still blows me away, and it's a team record, it's an NFL record, and we spoke about this guy before, but Travis Williams, remember the Roadrunner? Yep. Back in 1967. Get this, Rob. He had 18 kickoff returns that season, right? What do you think he averaged for the season? So he didn't have a high volume of returns. 18, yeah. Yeah, so a couple of really long ones are going to skew the average. I'm going to guess like 35, Gary. That, that's, that's a good guess. 41 yards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, awesome. it, it's mind-boggling. You know? And get this, he had five returns for touchdowns. Uh, you, you think David Moore could uh, squeeze in one yet this year? Hey, David! David Moore looked better than uh, anybody they've had in that role in, in 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 a couple of years, Gary. That that that's for sure. The the other night, um, ditto, I'm, ditto. I'm he looked, he looked, I, you know what? 
he, he passed the eye test for me. Yep. I, I like yeah. this dude. No, I, I'm with you again. Just another guy they find on the street, right? And he and he's coming in and he, it certainly looks like he's got a chance to, to give him something when the postseason arrives because I, I think at least for the 2021 season, we've all kind of come to the agreement. It's not going to be Amari Rogers' time, right? No, um, no. May, maybe it is down the road. Um, it, it, it's not in this particular season and in this particular playoff run. And um, if Moore can even give him serviceable play, Gary, it, it, it does, it does eliminate then the need and the necessity, I would say to take a starting receiver or a starting running back or something like that and send them back for kicks and punts, which, you know, I always hearken back to like Mike Holmgren. He was, he was notorious for that. He'd get to the postseason, Gary, and he'd put, uh, he'd put Freeman on kicks and he'd put Brooks on punts and, and it gave him a spark. It gave him a lift. But yeah. I remember, I remember thinking so many times, right? I mean, if, if, if Brooks twists his ankle and, or breaks it or something like that, now, now you're down your number one wide receiver, right? If, right. If, 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 if Freeman separates a shoulder, not, you know, now you're down this guy and, and your offense is screwed, but, uh, no, more, more gave him a little, little bit of a jolt the other night against, against Minnesota. Minnesota has pretty good special teams, Gary, uh, in, in, in general. So that was an encouraging sign. We, we've beat up the special teams many times and rightfully so on this podcast over, you know, over the course of the 17 weeks we've had so far this season. But the last two or three, Gary, they haven't been abysmal. You are absolutely correct, sir. Rob, the, this podcast just blew by. I mean, we covered a lot of topics today, a lot of fun topics, and uh, it was really enjoyable. Um, I want to give a heads up to our listeners. Next week, our uh, special guest is going to be former Packers great Leroy Butler, uh, who is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that, that should be just a, a heck of a fun uh, podcast, Rob. Leroy makes everything fun, Gary. He, he really does. No, no one has more fun in life than Leroy. Uh, and, and, and we're thrilled to have him. I, I think his time is, is long overdue, Gary. Uh, so we're going to get into it with him a little bit about um, the process, how he's feeling about it all, you know, his, his time in Green Bay, you know, his 12 seasons in Green Bay. He's, he's an all-timer, Gary. He was, he was an all-decade player in the 90s. He's the only all-decade guy left. Uh, that's yep. not in the Hall of Fame. It's it's time, Gary. And uh, no, I, I can't wait to talk to Leroy next week. Rob, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, it's always fun to be with you. And I also want to thank our uh, loyal listeners. Take care and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Wuffle and WuffelsPressBox.com.